Oh, hello there. Still listening, huh? We're so glad. Listen, if you get some value from the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would tell a friend or two. Somebody you think that might actually get some value from the show. That would be super duper. Thanks for being the most important part of the show. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Willie. And this is Cameron. Oh, I'm Cameron. <laughs> You're Cameron. <laughs> you get that backwards sometimes. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing. That's fine, though. Yeah. There's worse people to be, I I'm, guess. I'm working on it. Yeah. What's up? Hey. 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 New year, new you. Yeah, man. That's what I hear. <laughs> I hear a lot about that. Yeah. How are you? I feel, I feel pretty good today. Yeah. Today's been a good day. Yeah. How about you? I feel okay. Like I'm not gonna complain at all. It was, it was a brutal morning, you know, death by burpees. Oh yeah, you and your death by burpees. <sighs> always when we, always when we shoot. shoot Man, shoot I had days. to do like uh, like twenty or forty burpees today, and it was like I had enough. <laughs> well, that's good. It was hard. Twenty's twenty's a lot. You mm-hmm. know, anything you do that's new is a lot. So I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. Proud of you. Yeah. You know, and. It's got to start somewhere. Might as well start with today, yeah. which is a little bit different than what a lot of people do, where they wait to the end of the year or the start of the year to start something new, which isn't uncommon in our culture. So that's why I thought probably ought to talk about resolutions. It's a good time of year to do that. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's plenty of people that have them. Yeah. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Just... Uh, it's funny because I went to the gym yesterday, and I don't. I don't go to. I work. I work out mainly at home these days. Yeah. But I, I go to the gym like once or twice a week to to do mainly cardio. Okay. And uh, and it never ceases to amaze me every year. You know, every every January first, just the the gym is just busier than it's ever been all year. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's it it's funny to me, you know, like that something about that January first date that makes people. Myself included. Yeah, know, like for I, sure. I'm not gonna say that I'm above that or or different than that by any means, but something about that January first date that makes us sort of all think that, you know, we've got a clean slate. Well, yeah. Or, Now's the time to make a change. It's a good time to start over. Like it's like last year is a perfect example. Like right? last year you and I were talking, it fucking we were both a mess. We were doing the best we could with what we had, but mm-hmm. January 1st came and, and we kind of knuckled down on the podcast. We knuckled down on the, the diet. Right. And made the decision that, you know, from, from today forward, we're going to change some stuff. And uh, I like to think that for the most part we did, but. I, I uh, can definitely acknowledge uh, some improvement. Measure and, backwards. Yeah. See it. You know, so. And that's, I think what I've been doing the last little bit is just sort of, you know, taking stock and saying, you know what, this time of last year. I, I was I was here, and this time this year I'm here, and there's oh. been some improvement. Dude, I I did that one year challenge, and where I was doing a video a week mm-hmm. and putting it on my YouTube channel, and, and the link for that's in our channel, the other side of hell YouTube channel. You can find a link to my channel, but um, 
I, I was posting them on there and I went back and I looked at where I was and the date was December 29th, 2019. And I was a fucking mess, dude. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It was a struggle, you know, but I think that's, what's so great about, you know, in, within our society, it's a good, and I don't know if all cultures do the new years, the way that Americans do, you know, because I'm an American. So it's always a big deal for us, but you know, it, it's a great time for reflection. Uh, right. Honestly, you know, yeah. it, it is a good, it is a good measuring point. It is a good, you know, where was I here? Because it's so memorable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of times, and I, re- I remember so many, I don't remember, right? Like there's so oh, many, yeah. I remember so many new years that I don't remember. So yeah, plenty, um, uh, that was, that was another, you know, measuring stick. And so like, I could go back and I can measure and I can go, okay, so what are some things that I could do different this year? What are some things that I could take away? What are some things that I could start? And I think that's the, I think that's the general consensus or the idea around resolutions, you know, like, like resolving the old, bringing into the new, making decisions differently, you know, being aware of my, you know, my actions over the last year. And then remembering all the shit that I said I was going to do this last year that I didn't do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I feel like I'm, I'm guilty of that to a certain extent because last year I, I sort of resolved to, um, to read a book, um, or listen to a book in my case, I don't do a whole lot of reading, but to, to listen to a lot more audio books. And I'd say I got through till about July or August um, before that was probably the last time that I, I really looked at a new book. Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, like we can set out to, to, to have these new things that we want to introduce or, or to be a part of our life. And then just over the year, you know, they'll dissipate and become a little bit less important. And then, and then, you know, I think the, the thing that I get into the habit that I get into is, is come like November, you know, I might have like all these different goals or things that I want to start. And I'm like, man, I'll wait till January. I'll wait (laughs) till January 1st. And I think that that's, that's sometimes the problem with the new year's resolution is that you put that goal post, you know, on January 1st, then, then, you know, you take away from the now, you take away yeah. from the ability to take any sort of action in the present moment and you push it to, to this date. And all of a sudden, you know, like you're stuck in the problem for however much more until that date comes. Yeah. And then there's all this buildup about it. Like, right. Oh, oh, here's especially with like diets and sobriety and stuff like, fuck, here it is. It, mm-hmm. it came. Yeah. And now it's here and now I'm stuck dealing with it. I said it was going to be January 1st. Now I've got to take the action. Another opportunity to let myself down. Yeah. Well, and I think that the habit that I get into is, is I'll, I'll set a date in the future, which, which then gives me an excuse to fuck off until then. Right. Yeah. That's the addict, right? Like right. Inside, like, all right, fucking right. game on. Yep. So, you know, like how, how deep am I willing to dig that hole before, before I'm, you know, actually taking the action now to, to, yeah. to solve the issue. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, after, after enough times of like fucking letting yourself down and just, you know, not, not coming true to your resolutions, you know, I've come to a point now where I understand that the resolution needs to be started that day. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to wait until the beginning of the year, or the end of the year or next month or next day 
to make the decision to start, right? Um, now, that's different than having a start date on certain things, you know? Like, when I finally quit smoking, this is a this is a perfect example. Like, I did a bunch of research, and I tried a bunch of different shit. And I was like, okay, because I had tried quitting smoking a thousand times or a hundred million times or however many times I tried to right. quit smoking. And so I would do the patch, and I would do the gum, and then I would smoke, and then I would give up quitting, and then I would try to limit my amounts of that I was smoking. And one of the things that was suggested was, was commit to a, a quit date. Sure. Right. And, and, um, so I did that. I committed to a quit date. And when that, that date started getting closer and closer and closer, man, I started pouring on the smokes. Right. Like I remember just burning through cigarettes, like a motherfucker, just smoking and smoking and smoking it. And then the date came and it was really tough, man. Mm-hmm. It was really tough. Mm-hmm. And throughout that whole process, I remember getting low on cigarettes and being like, okay, I could stop now. This, I, don't, I don't have to buy another pack. And then I would buy another pack because my start date was, was here. Right. You know, if, what, if I don't run out, <coughs> if, I, if I have till this point to get it all in. I have to tell this point to get it all in. It's just like you were saying, you know, but start dates can be beneficial because that was really when I did finally commit to quitting. Yeah. You know, and, and that date came and I had enough um, reasons behind it and I had enough determination and I had just been sick of it to the point where I was like willing to do the things that I needed to do, mm-hmm. which was not smoke. Like, yeah. That's what I needed to do to not smoke was to not smoke, but setting myself up for that win it was tough but that was seven years ago yeah that actually echoes pretty much my whole experience with quitting smoking as well which was almost three years ago now um it was really 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 difficult but i did the same thing right like i i had a start date i committed to that date and 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 the biggest thing like when it came to quitting smoking for me is is a couple of things right like i was ready Mm -hmm. i was willing I had all the reasons there to to quit. There was not a whole lot of reasons to do it anymore. Um, and and one of the things that I was able to to apply to that that I had learned in recovery from drugs and alcohol was just the willingness, right? right. Like I was willing to do whatever they told me to do. Right. One of the things that they told me to do was to set a start date. They suggested that I do the patches and I, and I think gum too, if I remember right, I used both. And then they suggested that I level down the patches, you know, to different increments until the amount of nicotine in my body was just so minimal that it wasn't, I wasn't going to experience a lot of withdrawal. And, and I did exactly what they told me to do, you know, and, um, and I was able to, to quit that way. Um, but but the same thing. I had a start date, and and they they suggested that I sort of taper down, and you know, and not smoke as much leading up to that date, just to get used to the idea of not smoking as much. And I don't think that I like poured it on, but I don't know that there was a lot more I could add to how much I was smoking. Anyways, <laughs> like I was smoking so much, you know. Um, and, uh, and you probably could have smoked more. Yeah. I mean, I could have always smoked more. I could have used more. I could have drank more. I mean, I I could have definitely found a way. No, I was trying to. 
but, but yeah, I mean, it was the same deal, right? Like the start date. So I think, you know, there's, there's good and bad to it for sure. Yeah. Some of it, some of it's worked and some of it hasn't, you know, one of the things that I know about resolutions for me in the past and and even now when I, when I, when I make resolutions in the present, you know, because like I said, I don't necessarily go to new year's, but I do have moments where I'd want to implement a new way of living in my life, Mm -hmm. which I think is what the ultimate goal for these resolutions are is people want to implement a new way of living or a new standard of living. There's so much excitement and, and like determination right at the beginning of it. Right. right? Like, like, Oh, it's here. It comes. Here's, here's this new way of life and I'm going to get this out of it. You know, I'm going to become this person that I can finally respect because I'm no longer going to be doing this negative behavior. You know, I mean, insert whatever, it is like you want to quit fast food for the year. You want to exercise more. Exercise is, is a big one. Like right. We're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, uh, whatever it is. There's all this excitement. And then it starts to wear off. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a, it, the, the excitement wears off and then it becomes, you know, like a challenge, like mentally challenged. Like you've got to get over the, the boring, monotonous nature of it. Yeah. I'm building the habit. Mm-hmm. It's building the habit. Building the positive habit stuff ain't all that it's cracked up to be, you know? Yeah. And so that's when we end up, like, dropping the ball mm-hmm. again, you mm-hmm. know? So how do we, you know, resolutions, I think, are important, you know, because if you don't have them, I don't know that New Year's resolutions, New Month resolutions, but I, I do think that New Year's or that, that resolutions are important. And so, like, like how... because you've had some resolutions how have you been able to maintain you know some of these resolutions you know what are some of the things that that you do that you memorize you know whatever like Mm -hmm. give us some some wisdom on your resolution (laughs) repertoire uh well i think for me like the important thing is to to share them with somebody that i can be accountable with right okay um and by doing that, uh, I know that they are going to check in with me and ask me how it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's been a couple of things that, you know, I've, I've implemented as far as like a morning routine or a morning meditation or, you know, things that I want to start my day with that I'll share with somebody so that they can, um, so that I can basically let them know how it's going. And that person will know that if I haven't checked in with them for a minute, that they probably need to check in with me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that for me is a big one is just having um, having somebody to be accountable to. Like one of one of the character defects that I struggle with that I you know um, have to really really work on and try hard for is just to be open and honest with people. Um, and okay. it's not like I'm dishonest, um, but I'm not as you know, willing to discuss my struggles with people as I would like to be, you know, because I recognize that there's value in it. And I recognize that, you know, doing so will allow me to grow. And it's sometimes difficult for me to, to share a, um, what do I want to say? An error, you know, um, or a backslide, Um, you know, say if I've committed to, you know, eating healthy, it's hard for me to share a, um, a binge. 
Sure. You know, or it's hard for me. There's embarrassment that comes with it. Um, and so having that person that I know is going to call me out on it, um, along with me, you know, trying to be forthcoming with that information is, uh, is, is crucial to how that resolution is going to play out in, in my life. Sure. You know? Um, and so it becomes difficult. Like I wish I had, you know, a, a lot more wisdom when it comes to that. Like I, I feel like I'm really, really good at, at uh, starting and being consistent and going back to like, that's the other thing is like, if I do get off track for a minute, like it doesn't, it's not game over. Right. It's not the end of it. Right. Like it just means like, okay, this is just another part of the process. Like I've got to get back on the horse. I've got to, you know, just keep moving forward. Like, you know, with me, like, um, for, for my weight loss journey this last year, um, I lost, I, over the course of the year, I lost about 40 pounds. Um, yeah, which is great, you know, and it is, and I should be absolutely satisfied with that. Um, but it was so, it was so up and down. Um, and, and you know, like there's this huge part of me that's like, man, like if I really would have worked hard, it could have been a hundred pounds. It could have been 80 pounds. It could have been, you know, more, more, more. And, uh, and, and I think it's important for me to recognize that it's progress. Right. And that, uh, that, the important part is that I've, you know, no matter where it's taken me, that I keep at it. I keep trying and I keep coming back to it. And so for me, that's been really, really important is just to keep doing it. Right. Well, I'm glad that you are. And I'm glad that you don't have to do that on top of quitting smoking and quitting drinking. And, you know, because some of those things are done. You yeah. Know, those, those, I mean... The, the desire may pop up from time to time or the temptation or whatever, but those, those couple of things have been resolved. Very right? true. And so, Very true. Um, you know, and, and tell me if you agree with this, but I think as I go down this journey and I get to know myself a little bit better and a little bit better, and I, I'm able to identify within myself more honestly how I'm feeling and what I'm going through, I really do have a conscience inside of me that tells me the right thing to do. Sure. And a lot of times I'll still want to mistrust that or, or misguide and, and doubt that, that what my internal voice is telling me is not necessarily the right thing. Right. And so like I'll go through and I'll, I'll, I'll be doing really, really well on, on a certain goal or, or whatever. And, and like you said, I will fall short of my own expectation of that. And then that internal voice, there will be, a double struggle. So one side of it will be saying, it's fine. You've come this far, keep moving forward. You know, you'll be all right. And then the other voices, it, it says, go all out. Like if you're going to fail at this point, right. just, right. just give in to every desire because you're never going to make it anyway. And so just give up on this thing. And, and, I'll sit there and I'll battle between the two voices. And then eventually, just like you were saying, luckily, I tend to go back to the one that says, keep moving forward, keep trying, keep mm -hmm. on going, keep. Mm -hmm. um, because 
I don't want to go back and like start hating myself again because I don't listen to that voice of perseverance that I have inside of me, you know, for a long time, especially in active addiction. And as a kid, I didn't listen to that voice of perseverance to do the right thing. I would cave time and time again to to the point where I didn't even pay attention to the voice of, of resolve within me. You know, um, when, when the conscience would pop up and say, you know, Maybe you should call it good on drinking tonight. Maybe you should call it good on not going out. Maybe you should, you know, stay in and like take care of yourself or heal from this injury or, or whatever the case is. Eh, you know, the other voice would pop back in and be like, yeah, you don't need to fucking listen to that. Like, you're no good. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to make it. This this is your lot in life is over here. Right. Right. You know, you're a bottom feeder. Be that. It, that's where it's going to be at. But when I listened to that, my life became so fucking painful that I started searching for this voice that was over here, if that makes sense. I mean, are you following me? Like, oh, yeah. Like I had these two mm-hmm. battling decisions within me. And so this one would say, make a resolution. Decide today that you're going to change this behavior. And this one over here would say, who the fuck are you kidding? It's no use. Yeah. Who Mm -hmm. are you kidding? And then I would go out and I'd venture out over here a little bit and it would get hard and I didn't have the discipline or the drive or I didn't feel like it, you know? And this one over here, this voice over here, the voice of resistance would just be like louder and louder and louder. Mm -hmm. See, you're never going to make it. See, just give it up. Just give it up. Um, Eventually, the pain of that gets so great that uh, you become willing. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I, I, it's funny that you talk about that because I feel like I can feel that. I can feel that duality in me on, on a daily basis, you know. And, and the, 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 the thing is, the thing that I have to remember is that I, I know where the one's going to lead me. You know, I know where I know if I listen to that voice that is telling me, you know, like, give up, like, this is you're, you're too fat for this. Like, what do you, you know, like, you can't do this exercise. Like, you're not going to like, it's, you're doing it all wrong. Like, just stop, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, if I listen to that, I know where it's going to lead me and it's not anywhere positive. It's only just more and more destruction. It's only more pain you know, more, more, um, pain for the people around me. Like it's, there's no, there's no good place that that's going to take me. But if I listen to the other voice, like I know that it's at least going to lead me to some growth and eventually, hopefully, you know, like I'll be able to look back and be like, dang, I've seen some real progress here, you know? And that continues to be my case, you know, like I, I can, I can recognize that there is growth and that there is progress. And by continuing to sort of push myself past that and listen to AKA the right voice, then, um, then generally I am pretty good at, at just sort of instinctively making that happen mm-hmm. as opposed to always having to go through the, the rigmarole back and forth. Of the duality. Yeah. It becomes more habitual. Right. right. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 the taking care of ourselves. Like, man, I, I, I wish I could have done this when I was younger. Sure. But at least I'm getting it now, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
resolutions, uh, you know, and the, and the word resolve itself, when I start thinking about the word resolve, like there's, there's so many different like avenues that I could take with it. Right. Like, because, um, there's so much in my life that I have resolved through resolution, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like I've, I've resolved so many conflicts outside of myself, like personal, um, conflicts with other people and society and, and establishments and things like that, that used to bring me a lot of discomfort and just discouragement and confusion and things like that. And then there's also like, I've resolved within myself who I am and who I'm willing to be, you know? So there's like that type of resolve, but it all came from a resolution to do something, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, I wonder like, what is, what is the definition of resolution as we, as we're talking about it? Because, um, I think it's a multifaceted word and it's definitely a multifaceted and, and like action. Right? Yeah. Well, and the way that we use it, you know, you, I mean, you most commonly hear it, you know, this time of year with the word new year's associated to it. And right. it's like, what, what exactly does the word mean? Well, lucky for you guys and our listeners, um, I actually don't even have to look the definition up because I just spend hours finding words, <laughs> waiting for you guys to ask me about I the knew definition. It. Yeah. I knew it. So <laughs> let me load this page real quick. <laughs> oh, really? Did you just So say? a resolution, uh, the definition is a firm decision to do or not to do something, right? right. To do or not to do. That now, not question. to be mistaken for the, the definition of goals, right? So goals... The definition of goal would be the object of a person's ambition or effort, so an aim towards a desired result. So to me, when I read that, I think of goal as being something that's much more perpetual with not so much like a finite end um, destination in mind, right? So you have a, I have a list of goals of things that I work towards daily because I know they're the right thing for me and they work well for me. Now, where a resolution, in my opinion, changes is this resolution has an end result. It has, it has its own characteristic of, I will know that I've accomplished the work to meet this resolution. Right. So if you put it in terms of like music, you have discord in, in chords, and then you get to your end notes in a chord progression, which is called a resolve or a resolution where everything kind of just wraps up nicely in a bow. And it's done. And it's done. So to me, a resolution is something that can have a bit of a finite label to it. Hmm. Okay. Well, that would make sense because everybody with New Year's resolutions definitely comes to an end of them. <laughs> to do or not to do. Right. Yeah. I, I have. Yeah. What several. I really liked about that was like a firm resolution, a firm, like I am determined, right? Yeah. A firm resolution. How many times were we determined <laughs> to, to, to stay sober? Yeah. And, and we found ourselves pounding on the bar saying... How did it happen again? Yeah. You know. Where has been my great resolve? Where had been my high resolve? High resolve. Yeah. And I feel like that's happened with food, food many a times. All the, fuck, all the time. Food is so tricky. It is, man. And and the more I, the more I talk about it and work on it and, and, and all that stuff, the more I understand about it and what it goes on in my body and, and all the things like that, the more I resolve to change mm. that stuff because... Mm. What ends up happening ultimately for me is anytime I go against my conscience and do things that um, 
my coach always talks about trying to find happiness in the same place you lose it, right? And so I would continually go back to the snacks, knowing that it's going to make me feel bad, mm. but hoping it's different. It's going to be different this time. Right. And how many times had I done that with alcohol? How many, th- right. how many times are people, right. people are out there right now drinking, mm-hmm. knowing that mm-hmm. it doesn't bring him happiness, hoping that it's going to bring him happiness. I know because I've been there. Yeah. Right. And yep. it's like, okay, I'm going to do the new year's Eve party. That's the last one. I'm not going to drink after that. I make it, you know, halfway to five o'clock on the first. (laughs) Yeah. And then again, feeling so miserable about myself and the state of my life that I need to medicate it somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I think, I think that resolutions and resolve really do come from a place of desired self-love. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that. I think that the ultimate goal or the ultimate outcome for a resolution is that deep down inside, I may believe that I'm going to have inner peace if I make this resolution and I can stick to it. Right, right, right. Well, and I think that we have to we have to check our intention. Like, what's our motivation behind the uh, the the resolution? Mm-hmm. And so, I really like what you said there because I feel like every time I you know set a goal or a resolution, like I, I, it's important that I frame it right. Right. Sure. I don't want to just lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. I want to love myself. (laughs) And I think that by exercising every day, that will be a way for me to accomplish that self love. Like I'll prove that love for myself through that action on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have to really sort of frame it in the right way because otherwise I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure. Like, and, and if the end goal is for me to love myself more, then how can I ever challenge that resolution? How can I ever, you know, begin to justify not doing it anymore? Right. Don't you want to love yourself? Right. Well, I, I do want to love myself. So why wouldn't I continue to do this? Yeah. You know? And I say that knowing full well that it still becomes really easy to justify, you know, slacking or for me anyways, like, um, you know, not doing something like if I do resolve, say, to run every day, um, it becomes really easy to justify. Well, I deserve a break, too. Sure. You know, and um, and so like you were saying, I have to listen to one of the two voices and usually it's the one I want to shut the fuck up which is the one that tell, tells me to do it anyway <laughs> yeah, the one that you hear me in your head huh yeah yeah the, the one that wants me to do the hard thing <laughs> well here's 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 the thing about it is is that um, not every resolution that a person makes is going to be for that person like a lot of stuff a lot of stuff people agree to because it sounds neat it mm. sounds sexy it sounds like the, the thing to do. Right. And so here's the thing to remember. And, and it's so, so big to remember this is that not everything you try is, is going to be the right move for you. However, when the, when the inner voice of you says, try this thing, it's so important that you give it 100% and really fucking try it. Right. Experiment with it. Right. Exercise and diet journaling 
early wake up times, all this stuff that we talk about that has brought us fulfillment, the hard things that we do, we've tried these things intensively, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, let's take your example of running, right? Like not everybody's going to run, but it seems like everybody has this inner voice of exercise, right? Right. And so go out. If, if your voice is telling you that it's time for you to run or walk or jog or whatever, you know, give it an honest shot, you know, and you know, hopefully like I always knew when I didn't give it a hundred percent because I fucking know I didn't give it a hundred percent, but there's lots of things that I've tried 100% and it didn't work out for me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't my bag. Right. right. This thing just wasn't for me. And when I can go into a situation, especially if it's a, a resolution, like, um, like any, anything that I start, like if I go into it and I give it 100% and it doesn't work out and I walk away giving 100%, I walk away knowing that I gave 100% and I have zero regret about not trying. Right. Everything mm-hmm. that I've given half percent to, I know in the back of my mind that I didn't give that thing 100%. I didn't even try. I didn't yeah. even try. Yeah. And I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think that's why we keep going back to the diet and exercise because deep down at a deep level, we know that it's healthy for us. Right. Yeah. Deep down at a deep level, we know that we want self-love mm-hmm. and that if I'm if I'm continuing to shovel, sh- shovel shit down my throat and drink and smoke and be overweight and not take care of my internal body my organs my skin and all this stuff that goes along with it that's not a uh it's not a demonstration of self-love and i cannot have love and hate in the same space at the same time it does not exist right 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 i have to do one or the other and my actions show what i am doing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so fail or win if i'm making the right choice in the right direction that's a demonstration of self-love and that's a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like just knowing, knowing that I've actually put in the effort and tried, like it's, it's hard because I don't know. Another, another big thing for me too, I think, you know, you were talking and, and, and it just made me think that I really appreciate that part of our relationship that we're sort of able to talk to each other about that and hold each other accountable in those ways. And, and really, you know, have those hard conversations with each other. I think another thing for me, along with having somebody to be accountable to, is having somebody to be accountable for. Um, Ooh, you know, like, for I, sure. I need to know that somebody might be calling on me to hold them accountable. And by doing that, like, I, I know that there, there's this, this relationship that I have with this individual that uh, that is set up so that I can rely on them and they can rely on me. And so I need it. I need to be somebody that they can rely on. Right. And by having that extra degree of accountability that happens both ways, I'm more likely to to continue to meet my goals, knowing that when I don't feel like doing it for me, I can do it for them. Yeah. And so that, you know, that fosters the self-love within me by knowing that I'm helping somebody else as well. And, and I think about this recently because somebody reached out to me recently who was sort of struggling with food 
And, uh, and it was just a good reminder of how great that is to sort of be in a position where somebody will turn to me for that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always feel great because I feel like I'm not doing well with that right now, you know? Um, but also like being able to just have that conversation and, and, and let that person know that I identify with that and that, you know, like we're in this together and there's no place to start, you know, well, the best thing to do is to start here and now. Right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's where the resolution thing is important. Like, yes, I have a resolution. Does it need to be new year's day? No. Like I can start that resolution every day, each morning. Like yes. I resolve to do this today. And for me, I really, really, really have to break it down like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Otherwise the big picture becomes overwhelming. Yeah. And so start, start buying into the lie. Right. That you'll never make it. And exactly. that's just simply not true. You know, um, it's super important too to, to recognize that everybody has resolutions that they've completed. You know, I believe that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, like not eating fast food, you know, like my children never eating fast food. That's a huge resolution that we've held to, you know, it's a big deal, you know, making the decision to not drink anymore. That was a resolution that I had and, and it's been nine years, you know, um, you know, continuing on this path of, of self-development and personal growth and self-love and finding reasons to love myself. Those were all resolutions that I've had in my life, you know, mm-hmm. to, and regardless of, of what the start date was or, or how I came to the, to the decision or what time it was, you know, <clears throat> I didn't get here alone. Right. And, and there was a decision that was made at some point that I believed I'm either going to stop this thing or I'm going to start this thing. And they usually go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know, but, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of resolutions that we have in our lives are done. Right. 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 And they continue to be done as long as we continue to do the work that it took us to get those things done. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very well said and very, very worth thinking about, you know, like I think it's easy to dismiss all that stuff when it feels like there's all these other changes we want to make. And it's like, you know what? I can stop and recognize that I, I, I had, you know, 10 changes I want to make and guess what? I've changed three of them. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't easy and it's been hard. And, and I'm, those three things are, have still been changed. Yeah. You know, and I'm working on X amount of the others, you know, <laughs> I'm taking action to, to actually change those. Yeah. Things. And, and, you know, on that note, like, I think for me personally, I always want to step into something and just be the best at it. And sure. you know, like it, so, you know, when, when I start something new and I, I make this resolution, like Day one, I'm just kicking the shit out of myself. Right? Oh, fucking, you're never going to get I can't do it. this. Like, what am I thinking? Yeah. Like, this was the wrong move. Like, I'm never going to be as good as them. Like, it's going to, you know, I'm doing it all wrong. And, you know, and yada, 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 all the self-dialogue that goes along with that. But I'm able to also recognize that this thought process and, and everything that I'm thinking is perfectly normal for somebody who's on day one. <laughs> You know, and that everybody yeah. has that moment. Everybody has a day one. Yeah. On everything. Right. On everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't all know how to walk. Right. Talk. Came out walking. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know i i love it man and it's so important to remember that it, everything does start juvenile everything does start at the beginning mm -hmm. it all starts at the beginning mm -hmm. you know and i think that uh with with practice and determination and decision making making remaking the decision to continue in whatever it is you're trying to resolve trying to get out of your life trying to get into your life and redoing it, redoing it, moving forward, moving forward, eventually it happens, you know. Just don't give up on the vision that you have for yourself for the better person or whatever, you know, the better family, the better job, the better lifestyle that you're trying to create through the resolutions that you make, you know. I'm just saying don't wait till next year to start it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. regardless of where you're at on your resolution now from – if you made resolutions mm -hmm. on, on on January 31st and you're not there yet, like it's okay to December start December 31st or December 31st yeah. and, and you're not there yet, start over. Like, yep. like, like decide how important it is to you because, you know, uh, the world deserves the best you possible. And I think with that, like, I think that bringing in Sydney right now is a perfect time because I think the world has the best her possible right now. And yeah. Sydney is our war story. Yeah. And like, and thanks Willie. I, I think I needed to hear that today. I think, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I really need to hear that. Yeah, Just keep going, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is that the, the, the alternative is just not, it's not an alternative. You know? <laughs> You're, you're so far along now that there's no you have no choice. You're going to continue to work on yourself till you're dead. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, it, it may not be as fast a process as some, but it's better than most. So I'll take it. Better than it's ever been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're welcome. Thanks. So. And, I, and I didn't mean to cut off Sydney because I'm so glad that we got her story. Yeah. And that she shared it with us. It was it was so great. And you can tell that she is somebody that's definitely made a lot of of self-improvement yeah. from where she came from yeah. to where she is now. Her it's, story was fun. Like, yeah. It was fun. Like I could just imagine, you know, when she starts talking about as a kid, when she was drinking and stuff, you know, drinking out in the cornfields and stuff that happened to her out there. And just, I mean, and then her motivation now, like mm -hmm. is just so powerful. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I, I, I think it's super honorable. Her, her motivation now and, and all that she's been through. She, she has four years now and December wasn't a great month for her at one time. So, No, no, but she definitely did start a new year sober at one point in time. Yeah. You know, and it was new territory for her. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I love it. You know, and I think that uh, as always, Sydney can tell her story far better than we can talk about it. So, I think without further ado, here is Sydney's war story. Okay, my name's Sydney and I'm an alcoholic. I just celebrated four years of sobriety on the ninth of this month. And anniversaries are all, always so, I mean, they're exciting, but it always brings me back to you know, four years ago when I was getting sober and how absolutely terrible it got. And it's kind of, str I don't know, it sounds strange, but 
I always tried to keep that feeling, that low, empty, sad and angry feeling close to me because I don't want to forget how that felt. I want to remember how bad it was so that I never have to feel that way again. Um, I guess I'll kind of start with how it was and how it started. Um, my first time that I got drunk, it was my, um, or it was the summer going into my freshman year of high school. And I lived with my mom and stepdad and they were extremely, extremely strict parents. I mean, there was no lying, cheating, stealing, smoking, drinking. I mean, any of that, or I would be grounded for weeks at a time, um, which I mean, my whole high school career, I was pro probably grounded for 80% of it. Um, but anyways, I snuck out, went to a bonfire party in the cornfields. I grew up in the country. Um, and I remember sneaking back in from that party. And that was always the scariest part was coming back home because I was scared that my mom was going to hear me and I was going to get in trouble. But so I went in through the window, lost my balance, and I just came crashing onto my bedroom floor, you know, taking picture frames down with me, just causing a huge scene. And in any other time, I would have been terrified that my mom heard it, but I just laid there on the floor laughing to myself. And I can remember that, that warm kind of blanket feeling rush over me, just that first wave of drunk. And that's been 10 plus years ago now, but I can still remember laying there and feeling that for the first time and thinking this is going to be bad because of how much I liked it. And ever since that night, I realized that everything that I had been doing sober, doing it drunk was a hundred times better. It was funner. It was more interesting. And I was drunk pretty much any chance that I could get. My <clears throat> mom and stepdad wouldn't consider them alcoholics, but they always had alcohol in the house. They definitely enjoyed drinking. So I always managed to, you know, sneak stuff in where I could. And I quickly got, um, you know, tied up in the party scene when I could get away from home and loved just being around the big crowds and just that thrill of the excitement and the, uh, the thrill of doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. But even from the beginning with how much I loved the party scene and everything, I always loved drinking alone even more, even from the beginning. And I kind of think back to that about what was, what was so great about drinking alone, what was so appealing about it. And I just remember having this feeling of, I knew it was wrong. I knew that drinking two bottles of wine on a Tuesday before school, I knew that that was bad, but I had this feeling of, it, it made me feel kind of superior to my friends to know that I can do this. I can do it and I can still go to school. You guys might not be able to, but I can. And I felt like, you know, I was kind of not better than them, but I felt like, you know, I, I had control over it. Um, so graduated from high school and, you know, had this new freedom, moved out into my own house and everything. And that's probably when 
the really bad habits started. Um, I started drinking at work um, whenever I could. And let's see. Um, I never got a DUI or anything, and I never got in any serious trouble. Um, but if I was awake, I was drinking, I was constantly drinking and it got to the point where, I mean, I couldn't, I never lost a job or anything, but it got to the point where, you know, it had consumed my whole life. And I, I hear a lot of times in meetings, people say, you know, I was the only one that didn't know that I had a problem. But the whole time I knew I had a problem. I knew that being the first one at the liquor store for waiting for them to open, I knew that that was a problem. I knew that drinking in the bathroom at work was a problem, um, but I couldn't stop. I could not stop. And at that time I didn't have a higher power. Um, I, I'm not religious. And so I didn't believe in anything, but I would still, I would be drunk at nighttime and I would start praying. I didn't know to who or to what, but I would start praying for sobriety. But I knew that everything that had gone so wrong in my life, relationships, um, my, myself, I knew that that was all because of drinking, but I couldn't stop. You know, addiction is a powerful, powerful beast. Um, Finally, my turning point, I started getting these extremely bad pains in my stomach. And, you know, it wasn't just a hangover or a stomach ache. It, it was bad. I mean, it would take my breath away when I stood up. And I didn't want to go to the doctor for it because I had a feeling that, you know, it was due to how much I was drinking. Finally, one day it was unbearable. And I drove myself to the ER and found out that I had pancreatitis. And the doctor said that the main causes of pancreatitis are drinking too much and fatty foods. And they asked me how much I was drinking. And I sat there and just completely lied, said that I drank on the weekends with friends, but you know, it wasn't that much. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with pancreatitis, but it is extremely, extremely painful. I mean, it felt like my body was just eating itself from the inside out. It was absolutely terrible. I would not wish that pain on anybody. Um, but I sat there in the hospital for a week dealing with that. They told me, you know, absolutely no alcohol when you get out. Um, got discharged and the first stop was the liquor store. Um, that ended up happening three more times within, I think it was the next three months. I was admitted to the hospital three more times each time with pancreatitis. And each time I sat there and lied to the doctors about it, um, because I was scared and because, you know, I, I wasn't ready to stop yet. I remember, um, one doctor stood out to me. I was laying there in my hospital bed. And he rolled up his chair so that he was eye level with me. And he said, how old are you? And I said, 25. And he just kind of got quiet. And he looked at me dead in the face. And he said, 25 is way too young to die. And he got up and walked out. And that scared the shit out of me. Because I didn't want to die. 
but I knew that I could not stop. I mean, I talked about how painful it was and all of these trips to the hospital, you would think that that would be enough to make me want to quit drinking, but it wasn't. Um, finally, what ended up being my last day in the hospital, they were getting ready to discharge me. Um, and again, I had been lying saying that I wasn't drinking. So I wasn't on any medication to help me detox from alcohol whatsoever. And I started having incredibly intense hallucinations. Um, I don't know how long it went on for because, you know, I wasn't completely all there, but I woke up in the ICU. I was strapped to a bed and found out that I had two seizures and I guess I was, I was strapped to the bed because I kept trying to get up to go to work. And that's kind of when I started coming to, they kept saying, you can't go to work. You know, you're, you're in the hospital. Do you know where you're at right now? Um, after that happened, you know, my secret was out. I'm sure all of the doctors knew that, you know, how much I had been drinking. Um, but they basically told me, you know, rehab is going to be a good option. And at that point, my, I live in Illinois and my mom was living in Ohio and she, she had no idea about my alcoholism. She knew I liked to drink. She knew I liked to party, but she had no idea how bad it was. And I think that that was one of the, that was one of the main things, her finding out, um, she loves me unconditionally. I'm so grateful to have a family, a mom like her that would just do absolutely anything for me. And I knew how bad this was going to hurt her. And I was just full of that shame and guilt and embarrassment. And so she was on her way. And so when they told me that, you know, rehab is a good idea, I didn't fight it. Um, but that didn't mean that I thought that I would be successful at rehab. Um, mom got here. We checked my, checked me in and the whole entire time I, in my head, I was 110% sure that sobriety was not going to work for me. I knew for an absolute fact that it would not work for me. I didn't view checking myself into rehab as a new beginning or a fresh start. I just, I viewed it as failure and that I can't explain the amount of just guilt and shame. I mean, it just consumed me. Um, and so looking back, the only thing that I think that I did have getting checked into rehab was a little bit of willingness. I was willing to give it a shot. I was willing to try. I didn't realize it at the point, but it turns out that's what it needed. You know, um, I was in rehab in December and so it had been, I had been in for about two weeks and it was, um, Christmas day rolled around and I don't know if I've ever felt a more shitty feeling than being in rehab on Christmas day, knowing that your family is at grandma's house doing the thing that you do every year with, you know, all of the families there. Um, it was a terrible feeling. But um, that Christmas got a lot worse. Um, it was Chris. Well, let me back up here a little bit. I was two weeks into about two weeks into rehab, and you know I was listening at meetings. 
ish. I was doing the work, but I still had that in the back of my head that once I get out of here, there's no hope for me. I know that I am not going to be able to stick with this. I know how my head works. I know how my mind works. And I know that I want to keep drinking more than I want to stay sober. I know that. And I almost just kind of felt like I was lying to myself, getting my mom's hopes up on my sobriety. It wasn't going to work. It still just wasn't, nothing was really clicking with me yet. Um, but so it's Christmas day, well, Christmas evening at this point, And one of my counselors came to get me and he said, Sydney, um, your mom's on the phone and I think something's wrong. And I remember my first thought being that I thought that they were kidding. I thought that I bet mom is here. She's going to surprise me with a visit, bring me a Christmas present or something. But I answer the phone and she's crying. And um, she said, Sydney, your um, dad is in the hospital. This is my real dad, um, who I, <clears throat> I grew up with. I mean, he lived 30 minutes away from me, just didn't live with him. Um, she said, your dad's in the hospital. And I said, why? And she goes, we don't know. It's something medical, um, health-wise, but the doctors have said that um, we should probably make the calls because he's not going, he's probably not going to make it through the night. And I was just totally taken back. I had talked to him two days before and he was, you know, he was completely fine. Um, so I guess, you know, you get news like that and I guess you don't really know how you're going to react until it happens. Right. Um, so I told the, the counselors on staff that if they got the call that he had passed away, I wanted them to wake me up right away. So I took my sleeping meds and I went and laid down <clears throat> and it's about 15 minutes later, one of my counselors comes and knocks on the door and he says, Cindy, I need to talk to you. And I thought for sure it had happened. Um, but I go out there and talk to him and he said, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. And I don't know your situation, but this might be the last time that you ever get to see your dad. And if you want to go see him, I will do anything to make that happen. And it, when he said that, I mean, it just clicked. And I was like, you know, what the, what the hell am I still doing here? Um, so we made a couple of calls and I get a ride um, about two hours away to the hospital to go see my dad. And um at this point, I still have no idea what happened. I wasn't getting a straight answer. I don't know if people really don't know if they're just not telling me. Um, it was just all happening so fast too. And we get to the hospital and, you know, he's, he's laying there on the bed. It's definitely my dad, but it, it didn't look like him. And the doctor comes in and I went right up to her and I said, I'm, I'm Jim's daughter and I need to know what happened. And you know, she has no idea what's currently going on with me at the time. And she looks at me and she said, your dad had liver failure from drinking too much. And so here I am in rehab for my own alcoholism. I'm in, in and out of the hospital, pretty much dying too, because of my own alcoholism. And now I'm sitting in the hospital next to my dad dying from his alcoholism and um gosh talk about 
you know, your walls just kind of caving in on you. I mean, it was that December sucked. I mean, it just everything, you know, changing so fast. And he, um, he ended up passing away early the next morning and I could, I could have used his death as a very, very easy excuse to relapse. Um, and everybody, you know, was so scared of that happening, but being completely honest, looking back, I never, I never, I never considered it. It makes me think of the saying or the quote that more of a saying, I guess, but it's not so much about the thing that happens. It's about how you react to it. And I, you know, losing, I had never lost somebody or lost somebody that I was that close to before. Um, it, you know, it was terrible, but the way I looked at it and the way I still look at it is there's no way that you can tell me that that happened, that he died the way he did, why he did, when he did in correlation to what I was going through. You can't tell me that that just happened by coincidence. And it might sound, it might sound cheesy or corny, but I really believe that when he passed away, he gave me my life back because that's when everything clicked. All of those feelings of you know, me not being able to stay sober and not knowing if I can do it and not really wanting to do it, those all kind of went away. And, you know, we hear in meetings all the time that if we don't stop using, we don't stop drinking, we'll end up in jails, institutions, or death. And I know that that can happen. I mean, it happens all the time. We see people at meetings one day and then we see their their obituary in the paper the next day. It happens all the time. But it was still always one of those things that I thought it's not going to happen to me, though. It's not going to happen to somebody I love, though, um, until it does. And it makes it seem so much more real. Um, and. Yeah, so after that happened, I checked back into rehab and like I said, everything kind of shifted and I realized that this wasn't a game and I realized how um, serious this addiction is. Um, and, you know, no matter, of course, I wish that my dad wouldn't have died. I miss him and it's been terrible not having him here. But I don't know if I would still be sober today if that w didn't happen. As crazy as that sounds. Um but it keeps, it, it keeps me going. And, um, after I got out of rehab, I, um, you know, promised myself that I would stick to meetings. Um, I promised myself that I would get a sponsor. I worked the steps, um, slowly, but I did it. And I started, I always look back to, what I was doing at the beginning of my sobriety, because I could sit here and I could say four years later, my life is awesome. I have a job that I make enough money to live comfortably at. I'm in a great relationship. I could go on and say all of these great things about how I got what life is like now. But I think about the person who is, was in my shoes, you know, getting sober. How did I do it? 
And I just, writing was a big thing for me. I started journaling on good days, bad days. Um, I always feel like sometimes my words don't make it out the way that I'm thinking them. And so writing was a big one. I started writing down my days on the calendar and, you know, that sucks to start at day one. I mean, but, you know, obviously got to start somewhere, but that was a big visual thing for me to actually see, you know, the days start racking up. Um, and then uh, obviously meetings were a big one too. And I always thought, well, when I was still drinking, I had this idea in my head of what I thought sobriety was going to be like. And I thought that it was just going to be like a, a constant struggle of trying to resist the temptation to drink and constantly wondering why I had to push myself so far the way that I did, why I had to take it so far. And I thought that I would you know, constantly just be wishing that I was drinking. I thought things were going to be boring and it's the complete opposite. I mean, if four years ago, if I thought that I would be sitting here talking to you saying that right now, I mean, if you told me that I would tell you that you're crazy. Um, but like I said, it's the complete opposite. I'm able to be here for myself. I trust myself today. Um, my family trusts myself today. My boyfriend trusts me. I mean, people, they count on me for things. Um, you know, I got a promotion at my job, all of these things I'm able to, I'm able to be present in what I'm doing and I'm able to remember it. And, um, again, I just keep that, um, even as good as things are today, I still keep that feeling of how bad it was close to me always so that I never get back there again. And it helps me to not, um, get comfortable in my sobriety either. Um, because I'll always be an alcoholic. Um, do I think I'm going to relapse today or tomorrow? Probably not. Um, but it's, it's always going to be there. And so I, if I'm going to tell myself that my, in my sobriety is the most important part, that my sobriety always comes first, then I need to treat it like that. And I think that's all I have. If you'd like to follow me on my Instagram, my handle is skiddo kiddo. That's S-K-I-D-D-O-K-I-D-D-O. And thanks for listening. Ooh, amazing. Yeah, it gives me like the chills, you know, and, and, and. I, I love that she brought up being dependable and like, that's such a big part for me, you know, just being, knowing that people can count on me and people knowing that they can count on me, like is such a big deal and Yeah, just good shit. But you know, like I, I identify. Yeah, I, I definitely identify too. I, I really, I really love, love that story with their dad. Ooh. Yeah. Powerful. Just such a, a, a beautiful moment. And I don't know. And, and it's almost weird to say that because somebody lost their life, you know, but she, she's definitely taken that experience and applied it forward and, and used it as fuel. Yeah. And, and I think that's just, that's, that's, yeah, she carries it as like with so honorably, you know, there's like no shame. There's no, you know, stigma behind it. She's like, thank you. Yeah. You know, it seems like, thank you for, mm -hmm. for showing me what I needed to see regardless of the cost like i needed to see 
that, you know, because she was on her way out, yeah. you know, like, and, and absolutely fucking lying. Like, of course she's going to lie. Right. You know, that's what I would do, uh-huh. you know, because if I tell you the truth, then, well, n- now you know how bad I'm drinking. Right. And now everybody's going to know how bad I'm drinking and yeah. then you're going to reject me, you know? Yeah. And, Definitely going to judge me and condemn me and think less of me. And, and I, I really, you know, when she said that too, about rehab, like when she said that, you know, rehab felt like a failure. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) I remember like sitting in rehab going, fuck. Yeah. I'm in re I'm in fucking rehab. Yeah. I'm in rehab. Like what the fuck? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, and, and little did I know at the time that that was just the beginning of, of what would, you know, what would serve to be like one of the best moments of my life. Like, yeah. Thank God I went to rehab. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't failure. It was, it was the start bravery. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And, and, you know, one of the things that I recognized when she was sharing was like, she was dedicated to getting sober at that time mm-hmm. because when she got the phone call that her dad was in the hospital in you know, she, uh, she didn't say I need to leave. She didn't say I need to be there. She didn't say I need to go drink. She, she said, if something else happens, please let me know. And she went to bed, you know, and then out of that, like, you know, I mean, call it a God thing or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, she was able to go and be with her dad before he passed away. And, and I think that speaks volumes to what willingness creates within our lives. Right. Um, had she, ran out of there to go save her dad. Sure. You know, who knows what mind state she would have been in, but that's not what happened, you know? And, and I just, I think it's so great that she's able to, to carry that with such honor and be grateful and see that, you know, as she was in treatment for drinking, he was in the hospital dying from drinking. Yeah. That says so much, so much. <sighs> Give me a little bit of goosebumps there. Sydney story. Yeah, it was absolutely great. I really, you know, it, it sort of just takes me back and, and maybe like sums up what alcohol did for me in a whole, when she told the story about, you know, having the strict parents and never being able to really do much in the way of alcohol and then coming home hammered mm-hmm. and just falling down and nah. being completely careless. It was, yeah. You know, she's laughing about it and, and she's obviously going to be in trouble. Yeah. But she's laughing about it because she just didn't care, man. Like, why do I care? I'm drunk right now. Yeah. This is the start of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, you know, and then mm-hmm. she would drink with people if she had to, I guess. Like, but she liked drinking alone. That's mm-hmm. total alcoholic behavior. Oh, yeah. Man, you know? Yep. So and I remember that too, you know? Like, I, I had very, very few people in the end that I liked drinking with. Yeah, nobody wanted you around anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true, man. And then I didn't want to be around because nobody would let me drink the way I wanted right. to drink. Right, yeah. So, and again, you know, 25 is too young to die. And, and I think any any age is too young to die from this fucking disease when the option to have a better life is out there. And, like, we, we really are the special lucky breed, you know. Lucky. We are the lucky ones that have the beautiful opportunity to live two lives in one lifetime and... You know, as she started sharing, you know, the things that she did, you know, to stay sober, like she started making the marks on the calendar, you know, that Mm -hmm. at first it was hard, but 
but as they added up, that gave her more and more strength. You know, that's what we talk about on this show all the time is like gaining these little wins that, that add up into one moment at a time. Yeah. Huge accomplishments, you know, and then journaling, you know, mm-hmm. journaling is so important. Uh, whether you video journal, write journal, whatever, you know, I think it's so important that, that you have a measuring stick. Well, and I think for her, you know, what she said is that sometimes she's not great at really knowing or understanding how she feels. Mm-hmm. And journaling sort of allows her to go through that process to really sort of understand what exactly is going on inside. And, and as an alcoholic, we have a tendency to want to, you know, we, we have a, a tendency to want to get away or escape from those emotions that we feel. Mm-hmm. And so when we have to sit with it, it can be hard and can be difficult to really know what it is that we're feeling. And so journaling can be a great tool to sort of really figure out like what's happening, yeah. what's going on, what am I really feeling? Like, where's that coming from? And not only that, but it allows too. I think in my own experience, what I've noticed is that by doing so I'm, better able to communicate those feelings to my loved ones or people around me, my wife, and let her know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, I could identify with so much. Sydney, thank you so much for your yeah, story. Yeah, thank you for so real. much. It was great. For real. So, happy new year. Yeah. Cameron. 2021. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think 2020 was all that bad? No, it's the best year of my life. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. It turned out to be the best year of my life. Uh, I know not everybody can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, my mindset switched around May, uh, you know, and we can go back and watch the podcast from back then. And, and uh, I can go back and watch my vlog on my YouTube from back then. And I can see where I made a resolution to change my mindset about regardless of what the world is doing, I'm going to win inside of myself. Mm-hmm. And so turned out to be a really good year for me. Nice, man. I love that. Yeah. It was a good year for me too. It was. Yeah. It was okay for Jordan. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. So <laughs> well, I we love you, Jordan. You know, yeah. That. All right, well, what do you think? I think it's time to wrap it out. Let's get out of here. With that, uh, thanks for tuning in. We will see you on the other side. Remember, you are worth the work. 